Support for this podcast is provided by Getaway. Getaway offers escapes to tiny cabins nestled in nature just two hours from Portland near Mount Adams. It's an experience that helps you slow down, disconnect from work and technology, and reconnect with yourself and others. Every cabin is dog-friendly and provides everything you need and nothing you don't. Take $20 off your first escape when you book with code EXECUTIVE at www.getaway.house. Support is also provided by Beat Check, a new podcast by The Oregonian. Join host Andrew Thien every week as he explores Oregon's biggest stories with the reporters that know them best. Subscribe to Beat Check wherever you get podcasts to hear the latest episodes. Hey everyone, you're listening to the PDX Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Bruden. On today's episode, it's Cameron McAleese, the general manager of the Trailblazers esports team. Thanks for being on the episode, Cameron. Thanks for having me. So uh, I don't know anything about esports. I've been trying to follow it, get into it. I'm really interested in the business of esports, but let's just kind of talk about how'd you get into it? What's your background and kind of leading up to uh, managing the Blazer team here? Totally. So uh, I grew up playing video games, uh, love video games all my life. Uh, my, my dad played video games growing up, so it's been, you know, it kind of runs in the family. Uh, when I was 13 years old, I started playing a game called Call of Duty. Um, started competing. I was like, you know, I, I'd equate it to like being a semi-professional. never paid. Okay. Um, never competed in the major tournaments, um, but I, I was a very good player. And then right around the end of high school, I started playing a game called Hearthstone. Uh, Hearthstone's a card game. I was 15, 16 years old at the time. And, uh, you know, I probably won six or seven tournaments and closed an open beta. Went to school, uh, started school for computer science, kind of left esports and video games behind, really didn't play a whole lot. Uh, and then after one year at the University of Utah, I transferred back to RIT in upstate New York. And while I was at RIT, a game called Overwatch came out. Okay. And when Overwatch came out, I, was, I, I fell in love with the game. I thought from a strategic standpoint, it was so uh, deep and rich. And I, uh, you know, I just absolutely fell in love with it. So <clears throat> I started in open beta. Um, playing and then right around the game's launch official launch uh i started working with players as kind of a coach and manager and i organized six players and that six-man roster eventually grew to become you know one of the best teams in in the world Hmm. uh there was a website that ranked teams based on you know similar to an elo system that you see in chess and Hmm. you know at the time we peaked out at seventh in the world uh and third in the west and uh you know i think that was just an incredible experience. So that ultimately brought me um, from upstate New York to Michigan, where I lived for a year and okay. worked with that team. And then um, from Michigan, I moved out to Portland. I've been here ever since. So when you, you it sounds like you put that team together pretty organically. What was the state of kind of the the business then? Because like you said, in high school, it was you were doing tournaments, but it wasn't really professionalized yet. So kind of where was it at? You know, then. Yeah, so in Michigan, it was, I was still very focused on the team side, really didn't touch the business side much. Um, I was aware of it. Uh, before, there was kind of a one year gap that I skipped while I was at RIT. I was working with a company called Splice. Okay. Uh, and so Splice had recently rebranded from Follow Esports. And that was actually kind of the first time I saw the business side of esports. I was working as a back end web developer. Hmm. And before I left that internship, I, you know, I told um, Marty, the CEO, the guy who, um, ultimately hired me and gave me the internship. I told him, I was like, I'm super interested in the esports business. Um, and I, I really want to move to the business operations side of things okay. um, and and see that area. And unfortunately, they didn't have any room at that time. It was a very small startup yeah. uh, based out of Rochester, New York. 
and um, I was I had to go you know find my way elsewhere. Uh, but that was the first time, so I knew I had there was an interest there, mm-hmm. um, and I was I was very acutely aware of what was going on, um, but I just needed to kind of find a, I needed to forge a path. Yeah, uh, and it was still pretty early days as far as, yeah. you know, getting how professional, how big the tournaments, how big the sport was. Um, so we'll, we'll, let's get to you moving out here. So, you know, when was it the NBA was like, let's start this eSports league. It's gonna be dependent on the franchise if they want to, you know, start a eSports franchise, right? Is that how it worked or what was kind of? So the opt-in was before my time. Um, but you know, my knowledge of the whole the whole situation was really the NBA and Take Two came together okay. uh, and saw esports as a big opportunity, especially you know to to connect with their younger fans. Um, you know, the NBA has a little bit older of a of a you know fan demographic and esports. You I'm old, Cameron. <laughs> I'm getting up there. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, esports has this coveted you know 18 to 34 male demographic. Right demographic that's you know incredibly difficult to reach for advertisers, um, and I think the NBA and Take Two sees this as an opportunity to not only reach that demographic but also um, engage with them you know at a point of passion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you know they created the NBA Two K League, and it was about a year in the making. Um, Seventeen. It's been a while since I've said that number. Seventeen <laughs> NBA two or NBA teams opted in for the first year. Portland was one of them. Yeah. Uh, and so they brought me out in December of 2017 to ultimately help them launch their franchise and build a team. So uh, there were 17, you said, the original opt-in. How many are there going into it? Because the next season will yeah. start uh, spring? Is yeah. That, okay, so how many are coming in for next season? Next year is actually interesting. So we're going to have 23 teams. Okay. Um, but next year will actually be the first year for season that we have a non-NBA team participating in the 2K League. Hmm. So uh, a company called G Esports which they own the Soul Dynasty um, in the Overwatch League, among other things. Okay, They actually purchased an NBA 2K League franchise. And so they will be operating out of LA for the 2020 season. Okay, um, But ultimately, uh, they will uh, correlate back to the Shanghai slot Interesting. in the NBA 2K League. For, okay. Uh, yeah. So how did you do, was it last year, the first year then? First full season? Uh, second full second. season. Yeah. Okay, so how's the team doing? I mean... We're a great regular season team. Uh Um, We have the best regular season record across two seasons, Mm -hmm. fallen short in playoffs. Um, We have the season one MVP, the season two MVP on our team. Um, So we've been extremely competitive. Uh, I love all of our players. Uh, We've I I I think we work incredibly hard. Uh, I think the biggest challenge that we face as a team now is just kind of getting over that hump, Mm -hmm. and uh, you know really just winning a championship i don't think i there's absolutely nothing the team is not capable of so for folks who've never like seen esports or never been you know walk us through like how people engage obviously you can you can watch it streaming online right but the physically you can go and watch it too is that Mm -hmm. right so esports is esports is interesting i think one of the biggest differences between esports and traditional sports in my two years working for a traditional sports Mm -hmm. team is how you actually consume the product or consume, you know, consume the actual mm-hmm. gameplay. Uh, with basketball, you have to be plugged into, you know, a traditional TV network. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to, you, know, you have to go to a physical game. Mm-hmm. With esports, so much of the content you consume is through digital and social media. Mm-hmm. And so, for me, I'm so used to being able to get, you know, updates on Twitter, highlights on Twitter. I can, you know, just tune into a Twitch channel for free, mm-hmm. and you know, the game is there, right? Yeah. 
and really what you're paying for is if you want to go in person and see the you know see the game in person um but also a big discrepancy between traditional sports and esports is there's you know there's a there's a statistic somewhere that outlines revenue generated per fan mm. and hmm. esports is way down here sure. and traditional sports is much much higher mm-hmm. um and last time i looked at that number it looks uh, approximately in traditional sports or football specifically uh, in the NFL, revenue generated per fan is approximately the cost of one jersey per year, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas esports, that number is a tenth of that. Right and now, so yeah, yeah. right now, mm-hmm. so there's there's a lot of room for growth there. Mm-hmm. How do you, do you get together with your other like your peers of the other franchises mm-hmm. throughout the year and talk about you know just how the business is doing, sponsors, mm-hmm. or how does that work? So we get together a couple different ways. Um, most of us end up traveling to New York for regular season games okay. or tournaments. Um, and so we'll see each other in person. I make it a point to try to connect with as many people as possible while I'm in New York. Um, okay. Whether that's five minute chat while we're in the studio uh, or we grab lunch, breakfast, dinner, whatever, mm-hmm. um, while we're in the city, mm-hmm. we kind of make it a point to do that. Mm-hmm. We all have a Discord server, which not sure how many people listening to the podcast will know <laughs> Discord is. Cameron. <laughs> um, but uh, if, if you know what Slack is, it's very yeah, similar yeah. to Slack. Okay. Um, but uh, we have a Discord server that, you know, we're all in touch. Um, I, I'm one to, you know, I'll send out surveys. Okay. So if I have any big questions, anything that I'm having challenges with, I'll send out a survey, just try to get as many responses as possible. Mm. Uh, and then I, you know, publicize those to all the teams. So it's pretty, so. pretty close-knit. Yeah, right? it's, I, I think especially because everyone's kind of in startup mode. Like we have this NBA business back yeah. or business backing, uh-huh. but we don't have all of the resources of an NBA team. And so you have to be nimble. You have to be mm-hmm. very resourceful. Mm-hmm. And so we're all very willing to help each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if someone, you know, if someone, if someone calls me at 5 PM and is like, Hey Cameron, you know, this is a challenge that we're dealing with. I'm, you know, I'm, ready to literally sit down and help them. Cause I think if they're winning, we're winning, right? Yeah. Everyone's kind of in this business together. Yeah. And that's interesting. Like you said, you, it feels very much like you said, a startup mm-hmm. within this kind of bigger, uh, I don't know, company, but just organization, you, you feel mm-hmm. like you're kind of insurgents a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so how, let's talk about your team. How many, how many players are there? Where are they from? Kind of what is their training look like? I'm interested to learn all, all that. If you can chat about that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so six players to a roster. Every team's got six. Um, draft is in February. Uh, last year is in February. Year before is in March. Um, the structure is a little bit weird because of how dra- how the draft works, how your team structure works. There's no flexibility in roster size. Contracts are standardized, so every player makes the same amount based on where they're drafted okay. or how they're retained. Okay. And so trades are really interesting. Like you can only trade players for you know certain picks or you can only play trade players for players in certain instances so it's it's a little wonky how the rules work um as far as team management goes but six players and then you know our practice regimen is going to vary team to team you know for us uh we will practice about six hours a day and we have since we're a west coast team we have an extra travel day so east coast teams will fly in new york the day of okay we will fly in the day before because we're basically flying the whole day yeah so our st- i'd say a standard week is <clears throat> you know if you assume you've got a game on friday starting with sunday sunday's our off day monday tuesday wednesday is practice thursday's a travel day friday's our competition day saturday's our travel day sunday's an off day mm-hmm. um, your practice is much or more than the Blazers. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, it's I don't know exactly. I mean, I can't really comment. On, yeah, yeah. On how 
hour. But you're saying like six, you know, six hours a day of practice and training. Yeah. It's a lot. Easily. Yeah. I mean, so I'd say like six hours is the, and, and this applies all over esports. Six hours is your standard for team practice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, some teams will go eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard of even some teams practicing 10 hours, but I think that's way too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a point of diminishing returns yeah. with, with practice. So what's the, the profile of your players before we started recording? You said, you made me feel really old. said, so I'm one of the, the oldest person. You're like, what, 23, 24? Uh, so what's the profile of kind of the uh, the folks on your team and just in general, like the players in the league? I mean, assuming they're mostly around yeah. younger, but love to learn about those. Yeah, folks so too. I'm 22. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then, that, and that's for context. Yeah. Uh, I'm about the average age of uh, of our, the players on okay. our team. So we've got 120, uh, 121, and then we've got one person who's 24. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's pretty young. Yeah, uh, I, there are a few people who are older in the league, okay. um, pushing 30s. I want to say. Okay. Uh, and even in esports, you'll see like there are a couple outliers, but for the most part, the player demographic tends to skew pretty. Let's talk about the uh, the revenue model a little bit and just now each team I assume can sell their own sponsorships or is that like league-wide sponsorships or how does that work and um, you know what are some of the companies involved yeah so the I mean the primary revenue stream for the NBA 2k league at this point is sponsorship Mm -hmm. Um, every single team is able to go out and sell sponsorships on their own there have been a couple restricted categories in the past um, and as of this season those have been uh, lifted okay now the league owns a couple categories that they've already sold into. Uh, beyond that, um, you know, it's pretty open for the teams to hmm. pursue whatever they want. Hmm. Um, occasionally, the league will sell a sponsorship, um, you know, and you know, league wide, and then they'll give teams the ability to opt into it okay. uh, and say, "Hey, we like to participate," um, and so we'll help them activate their league sponsorship and you know, return we'll receive sponsor dollars that yeah. way. Interesting. Um, but as far as the business goes, pretty much the sole. Uh, revenue stream for the NBA 2K league right now is sponsorship. Yeah. Um, so just trying to figure out how to grow that. Totally. And do you have folks like with on your team that sell sponsorships or is that split with the Blazers or how, how does that work? Yeah. So for Blazer five, um, and I, this varies across the league, but for Blazer five, we allow our trailblazers partnership team to also sell into Blazer five. Okay. Um, you know, I think at, at least from my perspective, uh, I, I think it's an incredible opportunity if you are speaking with a prospect or even an existing partner and they say, hey, we're trying to reach 21 to mm-hmm. 24. Or we're mm-hmm. trying to reach 18 to 34 um, males. You got it. Hey, <laughs> yeah. um, I have just the product for you. How so. has that reception been as far as them pitching you know, partnerships? And um, I don't know what you can share about it mm-hmm. um, in some of, the, some of the companies specifically that are you know, partners in the league with your team or other team, mm-hmm. um, interested to learn about that. Yeah. So at right now, I mean, we've had, we've got three phenomenal partners in Toyota, BioFreeze and, uh, Alienware. Okay. Um, <clears throat> BioFreeze, if you walk outside on our campus, you mm-hmm. see a big old BioFreeze yeah. sign and, you know, they helped us build out our practice facility and it's an incredible space. Mm-hmm. Um, now that I think about it, I probably should be recording this down there. Um, but, uh, no, the, the practice facility is incredible space. Toyota has been 
unbelievable. So every single season we do a content series where none of our players had ever been to Portland. So we went, you know, we work with Toyota. Yeah. They give us a car and we take them somewhere. Oh, cool. Um, and so we do a five piece content series with them. So last year we did, uh, we, we did a helicopter tour. Uh, for, cool. for two of them. And yeah. so we took them up in a helicopter and did an aerial tour of Portland. And, you know, I told, I told the guys, Hey, we're going to do a helicopter tour. And they're like, why do we want to go on a helicopter tour? Right. <laughs> yeah. What are you getting? And then, and then, yeah. And then, and then by the end of it, I mean, they were just like, that was incredible. Like they'd pay for it in their yeah. own city after that. It was, cool. it was, so Toyota has been unbelievable. Uh, we've shot some awesome content with them too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Uh, so and as far as existing partners go, that, been phenomenal working with them um probably they're really engaged too like the sponsors um because this is something that's new and they're you know it's kind of like new frontier a little bit right i think it's i think it's a really cool learning opportunity for brands who are interested in esports and so that you know kind of leads into the prospecting piece right so as as we're engaging in new conversations i think the biggest challenge we face is a lot of people are still trying to figure out what esports is Mm -hmm. or how to leverage it Mm -hmm. um the brand equity piece that you see in traditional sports where people grew up a fan of Mm -hmm. you know the new york giants Mm -hmm. and they've been a fan of the new york giants for 40 years yeah doesn't necessarily exist so much in esports just yet. Mm-hmm. You see players who have an attachment to a certain player. Um, some fans have like this diehard um, attachment to a certain brand, but that's a lot rarer yeah. at this point in time. Yeah. So trying, I think a lot of brands are kind of sitting on the edge trying to figure out exactly how to get into the space, how they can leverage it. Um, you know, I, I love the NBA 2K league, because I think it's really a brand safe entrance mm-hmm. into esports. right? Mm. There's no violence. There's no guns. There's mm-hmm. no, um, it's, it's a rated E game. Right. And yeah. then you're also working within the NBA family, right? right. You know that you're working with a, a sports brand that is reputable. You're working with an incredible partnership team. Um, and you know, I, I love everyone on, on our yeah. partnerships. You're staff, selling right? me, so, Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't really even think about that when you're you're looking at the other esports. You might be other leagues and other games. Like this is uh, much uh, from a brand point of view. Uh, like I said, safer environment. Mm-hmm. It's it's actual you know sports. Yep. Um, you don't have the violence piece of it. So I would think that it warms you know yep. corporate sponsors up quite a bit. Yeah, and and you know even even just a little bit further, right? Um, it's basketball. Yeah. Right. Like who doesn't understand? I didn't, I didn't, you know, when I, when I took this job, yeah. I had very limited knowledge of basketball. <laughs> <Don't say that laughs> and, um, and you know, I've, I've learned more about the NBA through NBA 2k than I have from actually just watching the NBA. Yeah. And so it's, it truly is an incredible game in the sense that you can learn so much about the actual sport. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can come to appreciate the actual sport through the game. Yeah. Um, but it's basketball at the end of the day. It's right. pretty easy to understand. Um, and if you were to look at an NBA 2K league game, a lot of the sponsor positions are pretty similar. We got press right. table, except press table, press table runs across the entire, right. uh, the entire court in NBA 2K league games. So, but- that's it. Let's talk about that because yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, people have been to a Blazer game, traditional sports. It's like you know, see the press, folks. Um, is, is that interest from the media side growing, or is, is more traditional outlets starting to send like, hey, let's let's get a press pass for the, the season, or how, how's that changed? Um, or is a lot of independent? Uh, yeah, you still? get a lot of independent people who yeah. come through the studio. Um, you see, so I'm not sure how many traditional sports folks you you follow, but some people have really picked it up. Mm-hmm. Um, 
some people, I mean, like I know Wodge tweeted, uh, mm-hmm. he tweeted the first overall pick mm-hmm. in last year's NBA 2K yeah, draft. That's, that's, that's um, yeah. So I think, I think you get support to varying degrees from different publications and different individuals. Right. Um, I think in the first season, it was new, exciting, really interesting. And so it got a lot of press coverage. Season two, it's died down a little bit. Okay. Um, now it's more of like, touch points here and there mm-hmm. how's the season going oh the draft's coming up we'd love to talk to your new draft like that kind of stuff yeah, right um so it's a little bit different from season one hmm. uh i'm i mean i need to i need to get into this i'm interested because it seems like there's a lot of opportunity again i love the feel of it like being a startup it's like a new frontier and brands getting in early um authentically right so well, let's uh talk about a little bit about just working here Mm-hmm. You know, you're you, you work in the kind of Blazer office with the you know the folks that work on the the Blazer side of things. How's the reception been with your colleagues? Do they know what to do with you? Like, how do they interact with you? Do you share some resources for like marketing? Mm-hmm. And I know you mentioned the partnership side of stuff you do, but you know, how's it been? It's a lot of shared resources. Um, I I can honestly say that um, I've never met a more talented group of people. Mm. Um, we have some incredibly talented individuals who work with the Trailblazers mm. and in turn Blazer 5 Gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons I was so interested in coming out to work in Portland because you know the NBA has done stuff incredibly well for years and years. Yeah. And I think there's tons that I can learn from the people in this building. So um, people are incredible to work with. Uh, we have a great leadership team. Mm-hmm. Um, super excited like uh, not everyone gets to be or not everyone is able to say that they love walking into work love walking in the office every single day yeah um and so that's that's incredible um second to that you know in terms of resources everything shared resources so socials shared social okay um digital content specialist for the blazers is helping run blazer 5 gaming social yeah um one of the coolest things for me has been because it's all shared resources i've been able to kind of touch every single department Mm -hmm. and really learn more about what everyone in the building is doing yeah um i probably get more exposure to every single department than a lot of people here yeah um and so for me it's it just outside of work, right? It's been fascinating to learn more about what other people do, how they contribute it, not just Blazer 5, but the Trailblazers. And, right. Um, it's been a really cool learning opportunity for me. Yeah, I mean, one of the things about the Blazers, too, on their digital side, they've uh, always been known for really great work, and so that's uh, really cool. You get to kind of tap into that and use. Yeah, I've been so, blessed. Yeah, and so for your, I mean, building that out, will we be able to, even you have shared resources now, do you envision like building your own marketing team, like as get more momentum or what's kind of the you know, vision around that? Yeah, I think some teams have already started to adopt the direction of moving away from shared resources, mm-hmm. uh, especially so social media is one and partnerships is the other where you see dedicated resources come into play a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Reason being, their full-time gigs. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're selling sponsorships, it's a full-time gig. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are running a social media channel and building digital strategy, mm-hmm. it's a full-time gig. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say anything else isn't a full-time yeah. gig, but in terms of just building a new business, um, I think those are two of the most likely areas where you really need to hunker down and focus on mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, partnerships is incredibly important. Uh, we got to grow our business. right? And then I think digital is just essential when it comes to building our audience and right. uh, reaching new fans. So. Yeah. So it sounds like that's going to happen, uh, you know, eventually. Or, I think it's inevitable. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Um, so what's, uh, how do folks engage with, okay, like 
NBA, right? You have the personalities. People are really into one player. Is that similar in esports? That growing? I know the t- the team, you know, shifts, drafts, and all that. Are there like st- individual stars being made, or how, what's that landscape like? It's it's different. Um, it's not like traditional sports in that. Um, I think there are, are standout stars in traditional sports where, you know, I don't know. I'm thinking like Tom Brady, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, people like Tom Brady or Michael Jordan, LeBron James, like these people transcend the sport that they play in. Right. Um, I don't see that as much in esports. Uh, the first time that I saw that was with Ninja, mm-hmm. right? Um, he started playing with celebrities. He started, you know, hitting 300,000 concurrent viewers on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Um, like it was nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. And, that was the first time I've really seen someone in esports transcend the sport itself. Okay. Um, so we don't see a lot of superstars uh, in esports so much as I think you see incredible talent. Mm-hmm. Um, people who are incredibly gifted at a particular game and they're recognized for it. Mm-hmm. But if you don't actively follow League of Legends um, or didn't actively follow League of Legends four years ago, you may not know who Faker is, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, the same way, like, if you don't actively follow the NBA 2K League, you may not know who Walnut or Mama are, hmm. which are our two, you know, yeah. franchise players, if you will, right? Um, so I think it's it's different from traditional sports, but you see a lot of incredible talent. Um, and I think the one thing I love about NBA 2K League in particular is the on-camera talent. Um, hmm. Or, sorry, not, not the on-camera talent, but uh, the players on camera yeah. right are yeah. incredible um you know they are much similar to traditional athletes in the sense that they have a lot more personality yeah um and they're incredibly entertaining to watch you know i coming from other a sports i think it's a 50 50 shot whether you see someone who's camera ready and and media trained or someone who's really stepping into the spotlight for the first time i didn't even think about that mm-hmm. so you do media training then with mm-hmm. folks yeah because that i mean that's a big part of the experience absolutely yeah Let's we talk, do we, yeah. yeah i'm assuming you're asking yeah asking i'm asking I'm, i didn't have like these little things i didn't think about like what is you said the level of how they're ready for that is totally different um these yep. are some younger uh, people so what what kind of things do you do for them if they're they're not ready and you yeah know? so we have uh, all of our guys meet with our pr department mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season the NBA 2K League office also has a rookie training program, and then they also have the uh, incumbent players come in and go through training as well, but it's not necessarily as intensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but they get hit with media training from both sides. Okay, yeah. Um, some of them don't really need it as much. Uh, they're pretty smart about what they say. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of them are, are incredibly well-spoken on camera. Like I, I look at some people and I'm jealous because I'm not super well-spoken on camera. It's taken a long time for me to get comfortable mm-hmm. speaking on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of these guys just walk up and, and, and they're good, right? Um, they're great. So and is it just because, I mean, they've been gaming for like most of their life and they're, you know, just, they, it's in their DNA at this point or maybe they just have it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Some, some people just have it. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, I mean, we've been, we've been fortunate enough to have, yeah, I call them by their first name, Dana Nadal or, or Walnut and Mama. Uh-huh. Um, they're incredible on camera, super entertaining to watch. Uh-huh. All of their post game interviews are, are gold. Okay. Right. Um, you know, uh, we've got, 
we've we've been very fortunate right to have two players who you know not only in content but in interviews and media have been great represent uh, great representatives for yeah. our team the league uh themselves so but not every team is fortunate enough to have that it's sure. so different you see it's, right. it's incredibly variable right to the team so uh last question cameron if for someone that lives in portland and you know, it's not too familiar with the team or what's going on. Like, what's a way they can just kind of start engaging to to where to go to watch or to learn more about the players? Or, um, man, that was a light last question. I was expecting, <laughs> expecting uh, <laughs> something heavier. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the best way to interact with Blazer Five is through Twitter, Instagram, um, follow our league matches. NBA2KLeague.com is going to have the league schedule. I think we're going to post season three schedule here in the next couple months. Cool. Um, as far as Blazer 5 Gaming goes, we'll tweet out. We post on Instagram for every single game, so you can follow us there. Uh, it's at Blazer 5 Gaming okay. on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and then we also have a Facebook page if you're not on Twitter or Instagram. But I feel like everyone's on Twitter or Instagram at this point. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Cameron. Well, hey, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Appreciate it.